0: What is up, bitches? I'm Gaia.
1: And I'm Nita, and this is Bitch Why. Our
0: podcast, where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them.
1: We're just a couple of artsy bitches learning what makes art good and how to talk about it.
0: Let's get into it with some things we're snacking on. A snack is anything that's feeding your artistic soul this week.
1: Gaia, what are you snacking on?
0: I went to the thrift store today, and um, I spent like $10 on like three pairs of clothes, and I'm going to embroider them all, and I'm quite excited for it.
1: I love this for you. I love this journey. Look, look
0: at my embroidery project. I'm embroidering a poem that I really love onto a shirt. It's called Advice from the Lights by Stephanie Burt, who is a wonderful trans poet, and it's like one of my favorite poems ever. Everyone should read it.
1: Oh my god, this is so sweet. That's so cute.
0: Um, Sorry, I turned wholesome ever since moving to Maine.
1: <laughs> Nita, what are you snacking on? I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> this is like such a weird snack, and actually it was a snack like weeks ago, and I forgot to do it because we, just- we were just going. I was listening to this podcast called Conviction, and I was listening to season two, and it's about the satanic panic. And the ways in which, like, random people were accused of, like, Satan worship and, like, cult stuff. And it, like, totally, like, tore whole families apart. Like, people would randomly accuse, like christian parents who like did nothing and it reminded me like there are moments where the law enforcement uh, brainwashes children into confessing things that their parents didn't do
0: yo that's so salem witch trials.
1: it is salem witch trials it reminds me of when they see us which obviously has a completely different like story regarding like racial implications but like listening to it and like hearing the tapes of like how they just like force-fed these children these stories of awful things that they would never have like came up with by themselves uh it's wild listen to season two of conviction it's called like american panic and they like track a story of this father and like how he was estranged from his children and they like reunite on the podcast and it's very sad but Aww. really good to listen to moral of the story Cap. A cab, have you heard of the documentary on the Waco raid? Is it on Netflix? I think
0: it's on Netflix. My mom watched it and it like changed her life, which is oh my like God. wacky. Um, Okay. So definitely, definitely watch it. I think it'll have some A cab sentiment. Oh, good. Because the cops really fucked on up in Waco. We're really
1: gonna like, this is like a f- episode full of A cab.
0: Yeah, A cab.
1: Finally, at long last, an A cab episode. So, I'm gonna give you a little roadmap of our episode today. This episode is made up of four parts Bitch What, an introduction to what we're talking about. Bitch How, a technical rundown of how this thing succeeds and fails as a piece of art. Bitch Time, three minutes of our unintelligent, unfiltered, uncritical feelings. And finally, Bitch Why, a sum up of the implications and why all of this matters and the bitch meter our little personal diversity score that we learn math just to give to you. What are we talking about today, Gaia? <gasps> Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I'm yes! so excited. I love this. <laughs> I fucking love this
0: movie. We adore this movie. This we adore this film. movie. It's cinema. This is going
1: to be such a good palate cleanser for after us after talking
0: about She
1: Who Must Not, she be, who named. Must not be Named.
0: <laughs> Nita, how did you come across Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse?
1: I think the I think the be- the bigger question is like, how did I get into Spider Man? Um, uh-huh. And I will say, Spider Man was my first superhero, and he will be my last superhero. I love Spider Man. Uh, I grew up reading comics. And I think, like, probably it was the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, as, as is a lot of people's first uh, interaction with Spider-Man. And I would watch the first and second Spider-Man movies, like, on repeat. Like, I have the DVDs. And my dad used to work at Sony.
0: That's clout.
1: I know, the clout. Um, he worked there for a long time, but... uh. Yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's just, like, always been there. I don't really remember a time when Spider-Man wasn't there, and I love the character of Spider-Man, and I've honestly, like, liked bits and pieces of every iteration of Spider-Man, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is so, so good. I have a memory of, like, when my friends and I went, all went to go see it. We were all in a theater together. It was, like, midnight. We were in the middle of an acting conservatory, but we were like, we need to see this movie opening night, so we saw it opening night. And we were all, like, floored by it. Like, just floored. Like, ups and downs of the movie, just, like, so in it. And it was just a really good, amazing movie-going experience. How did you get into Spider-Man, into the Spider-Verse, or Spider-Man as a whole?
0: I just wanted to note that it's fitting we're talking about Spider-Man because I'm covered in spider bites. Oh, Um. oh, no. But I I don't know how I got into Spider-Man. I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't know what Spider-Man was. And Spider-Man's always been my favorite superhero. I had like really weird niche superhero taste. So like my Mm -hmm. comic book reading was very much like Young Avengers and Runaways.
1: Oh oh my god, Runaways.
0: Um, Yeah, Runaways is famous now. Young Avengers deserves to be. But I remember seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse with my father, Sean Mallon. And having a delightful time, being absolutely floored by it. I remember seeing a trailer for it like several years before it came out and being like, ah, oh, I can't believe they're making another movie about a superhero. And then seeing the trailer and being like, oh? And then seeing the movie and being like, oh? <laughs> it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Right up there with like oh, yeah. with some of the greats. Like, my own private Idaho.
1: My own private Idaho. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for you to say it.
0: My top favorite movies are Spider Man into the Spider Verse, My Own Private Idaho, Inception, Moonlight, Get Out.
1: I don't have a yeah. list. I don't have a list. I just like. I don't really watch... have a list. Parasite's I wish there too. I had a li- oh yeah, Parasite. I, like Everyone's obligated to have Jojo Parasite Rabbit on their list. Yeah, Jo. I was surprised you didn't say Jojo Rabbit. Jojo,
0: I okay. I don't have a list of top five favorite movies. That was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Those were just a lot of movies that I like. <laughs>
1: This is a new segment of the podcast where we just say more things we like.
0: Let me get into it. Get into it. Let me describe what's going on in case you're listening to an podcast about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse before you've watched it. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is about a middle school tween named Miles Morales who gets- Oh, he's in high
1: school. He's in high no, school. No, he's in
0: middle school. He's like, why did I have to switch out of Jefferson Middle or something? He's 14. He's fourteen. He's a tween. He's a baby. I thought he was.
1: I'm sorry. I thought he was fifteen. All right, all right. All right. All right.
0: An infant child named Miles Morales gets bitten by a radioactive spider, turned into Spider-Man. He witnesses the death of his own in-universe Spider-Man in an incident with a universe collider, and in this u- from this universe collider emerges another Spider-Man, a Spider Gwen, a pig Spider-Man,
1: Spider Pig,
0: Spider Pig. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> spider noir and spider man noir
1: and spider man noir and penny
0: parker anime spider man <laughs> and that's it <laughs> and they go on shenanigans to defeat the universe collider and, that's and, kingpin.
1: That. and kingpin and kingpin, and kingpin. who created
0: the universe collider yeah i was trying to be brief i didn't want to get too far into it we're into brevity nowadays we are (laughs) so it was written by phil lord of the the lord miller team who did the lego movie and it's got a it's got an approval rating of 97 percent on rotten tomatoes which is absolutely correct Correct. with an average rating of 8.77 out of 10 Uh, did anyone not enjoy this movie i think this movie is just a blast And the critics say so, too.
1: Yeah, it fucking won Best Animated Feature Film at the 76th Golden Globe Awards, and then it won a Critics' Choice Award, and then at the 91st Academy Awards, it won Best Animated Feature and is the first non-disney or pixar film to win an oscar since rango in 2011 rango yeah it becoming the sixth non-disney pixar film to win the award which i just think is like wild and like good for it for like who won best picture that year
0: the shape of water
1: oh yeah
0: oh call me by your name and ladybird came out that year and get out
1: yeah, that was, like, a, like, Shape of Water should not have won.
0: Give Get Out an Oscar.
1: Jordan Peele won for a screenplay, but you're correct. He should have won for Best Picture.
0: That movie is perfect.
1: Amazing. The movie features, like, a shit ton of Spider-Man villains, which is just, like, if you're a comic book fan, it is so fun. Uh, Kingpin, Prowler, Green Goblin, Tombstone, Doc Ock, who is a lady, and Scorpion. And she's gay. Sorry. Her voice. Katherine Hahn. please. Aunt
0: May and Doc Ock canonically have fucked. Not canonically. I've just decided they do.
1: When Lily Tomlin as Aunt May says, says about Oh, Catherine it's live. Oh, it's live. I'm like that's gay. They so, bang. Miles Morales as a Spider-Man has bioelectric energy threads a venom strike and a venom blast and like peter he has like the strength speed he can walk on walls whatever he can also camouflage which i just think is like fucking cool he basically has like all these interesting defense mechanisms that like natural spiders have like all rolled into one like he's just like My favorite Spider Man with my favorite Spider Man powers. In his story arc in the comics, I just wanted to give us like a rundown because there's a lot of differences. He is known as like a mutant. Unlike Peter, he was bitten by a radioactive spider, but the spider was made by an Oscorp scientist who was using Peter Parker's blood to recreate the effects of Spider Man. And a spider crawls into the duffel bag of the Prowler when he's stealing the formula. And his nephew is Miles. So Miles gets bitten by that spider. He actually like witnesses the death of spider-man at the hands of green goblin and takes on the mantle but he actually doesn't want to wear the spider-man outfit because he thinks it's like in bad taste he's actually arrested at one point by spider-woman who is a government sanctioned who she's part of the government sanctioned superhero team the ultimate so she's a cop she's a cop in that in the ultimate universe also it's important to note that like miles morales is part of the ultimate universe uh, which is different from, like, the, the normal Marvel universe, so he, like, takes over for Peter Parker, but in a specific universe, and Peter Parker still exists, and he actually does get web shooters from May in the comics, so that was a nod in the movie, and Captain America is the one who trains him. He actually doesn't want to, but he ends up training him later. I just think that's all some interesting backstory to note for miles he's also yeah. the he's also afro-latino and is from brooklyn baby so and based
0: off of donald glover
1: based off of donald glover our man which is so funny because he was like running a campaign to play spider-man in 2012 and the comic book artist was like i'm gonna make spider-man look like him uh, as a cute our little king nod.
0: donald glover of our, our king... lost lion king episode oh my god <laughs> famously lost
1: let's get into bitch how
0: let us get into bitch how it's time to figure out what succeeds and fails artistically about this bad bitch of a movie
1: let's talk about the successes first
0: all right so i think what makes this as an adaptation remarkable is that the artists and creators involved in this movie were able to harness the unique things about the original source material Mm -hmm. the comic book format and the unique things about animation as a medium and combine them into something that was a fully distinct form and Their form impacts their content perfectly and creates a beautiful um, cocktail of media (laughs) that feels fully unique. And that's incredible and it's visually incredible.
1: It really tells me that animation was the best way to tell this story. Because of, like, all of the elements of, like, time-space fuckery. And I think it feels, as a story, the most comic book-y in a narrative sense. With the multi-dimensions, the parallel earths. I just, like, felt like I was watching a comic book come to life. In a way that I don't think any superhero movie. Which normally, like, the live-action ones are so intent on gritty, dark realism. That this just felt, like, fantastical in a way and the action scenes though i felt like each hit like whenever like miles was getting hit i felt it in a way that i don't feel when i watch even like the best fight choreography from like winter soldier like this was like a different kind of like punch
0: Their action sequences are so antithetical to the main problem with current, like, superhero action sequences, which is they've got color contrast. Superhero movies these days know nothing about color contrast. (laughs) They're fucking gray. It's boring. You can't see shit. Like, Black Panther is an incredible movie that I love with my heart. The action sequences where it's someone wearing a black suit in a black cavern where surrounded by black sand, you can't see shit!
1: We'll talk about Black Panther one day soon, but yeah, you're correct. Like, even though that movie is so colorful in a way that a lot of Marvel movies aren't, the end action sequences, like, just fall apart. I mean, and then, like, just
0: watch, like, any Avengers film to see, like, a gray action sequence they really get action like they understand action and they also said fuck realism i want more movies to say fuck realism one of my great desires of the art world is for us to all realize that part of what happens when you make art is because you've made it it is fake now it's not real anymore it's fake Mm. and because of that you can literally do whatever the fuck you want yeah and like why don't we do that more (laughs) often like there aren't any rules (laughs)
1: I think we're so intent, and someone was talking about art as a way to, like, reflect human life and, like, slice of life sort of thing, but, like, you can do that. Like, the moment where Miles' dad is talking to him through the door is one of the best written, emotionally Mm -hmm. impactful scenes I have seen, and also the staging of it, like, the way it's shot is amazing, and I think that you can have this realism, quote-unquote with emotion and storytelling but it doesn't have to be in like stakes or themes that are real to have real moments of emotion and and connection
0: i mean i think a lot of animated movies have fallen into this idea that like because they're animated movies that must mean that they're gearing towards a less mature audience which means that Mm -hmm. they have to like fall into like kind of like a bubblegum trap of movies where they all look vaguely the same but this movie feels in line with like Isle of Dogs and like Mm. Loving Vincent or is it just called Vincent? It's a movie where the entire movie is made in oil paintings in the style of Vincent Van Gogh. And I think it's part of what's significant about the artistic success of this movie, the aesthetic success of this movie, is that I think one of the main commentaries it ends up making is about the ways we make art. So um, we'll talk more about this later, but the idea of anyone can wear the mask feels Mm. like a direct call out towards art bankers to be like representation is important anyone can wear the mask anyone can be spider-man anyone can be a superhero you don't have an excuse to have such a cishet white bread cast of heroes and so the the fact that the movie is so aesthetically beautiful and Mm -hmm. that one of the main themes ends up being a commentary on the way we make art and the reasons we make art feels very married.
1: Right. I I see what you're saying about this like because this movie feels so like individually driven and there was like such a specific aesthetic that was happening here like it feels just like tenfold kind of in the same vein of like how Taika really like took over Thor Ragnarok and like made it his own and it felt so good to finally have like a director take over a Marvel movie who is like not white. And just like was like fuck everything that came before, I'm going to make this amazing. What goes with that too is like just the way that Miles' family life is just so integrated into the story. Like, something I really like about seeing good representation is that, like, his whole story is not about him being Afro-Latino. Like, it is just part of his life. His mom speaks Spanish to him. There's no subtitles for that. You just, like, understand what she's saying by, like, the tone of her voice and her body language. And it's just, like, I don't need to see, like, a quote-unquote indian story i don't need to see a quote-unquote poc story to feel represented
0: i think there are some significant ways in which race is a factor in this story i think because we're in such like a moment of discussing policing like
1: oh like yes. it's 2020
0: the year of A cab, and 8 2018 like cab was like alive but like like kind of young i mm-hmm. not young alive but like Still kind of counterculture it was
1: it was counterculture it was like not in the main quote unquote mainstream, and that doesn't make it that doesn't make it like okay that we didn't acknowledge it yeah uh and I want to preface with that, but like I think context changes everything, and I think like living in this year specifically, we're just like seeing stuff so differently,
0: yeah, I want to talk about the dichotomy presented. Between Miles's dad, Jefferson, and his uncle, Aaron, as Jefferson being a cop who mm-hmm. is, like, kind of emotionally distant, but, like, well-meaning and, like, mm-hmm. loving, and his uncle, Aaron, who he, like, emotionally connects to, but is, like, kind of a hooligan and, like, treated as someone, like, he shouldn't hang out with.
1: Yeah, they're, like, and foils, basically, of each other.
0: Yeah, there's, like, a really yeah. intriguing foil, and I'm wondering how this movie fits into the conversation we're currently having about policing.
1: I think what is is interesting to me is Spider-Man, in every iteration, has always had, like, a very weird, strained relationship with the cops, but normally, when the Spider-Man... Uh, behind the mask is uh, white, somehow there's, like, room for them to, like, have more of a conflict with each other. I Like, there's moments where, like, they fully, like, outright disagree with each other. The cops, like, want to go after Spider-Man. And that happens a little bit here. But Jefferson, like, fully changes his mind within, like, over the course of the film so quickly that, like, I... There's not enough to, like, grasp from that moment, really, for me. And I feel like... A main reason why this shift from Spider-Man uh, being kind of, like, allowed to have a strained relationship with the cops because he is a vigilante superhero and he does crime fight uh, in a way that, like, the cops, quote-unquote, like, don't approve of. Cops not approving of abuse. I don't... Anyway... <laughs> There's a shift to, like, Spider-Man and the cops, like, having a positive relationship, and Miles is kind of, like, forced to have a positive relationship with the cops as Spider-Man because his dad is a cop.
0: Yeah, I have, like, two major thoughts about that specific train of thinking. I think something that's interesting about the original spider-man and hopefully we'll do more episodes on more spider-man films and pieces of media um is like i think there's some like really intriguing class critique in the idea that spider-man is like a poor teenager from queens who has to write for a newspaper that despises him He has to basically write propaganda Mm -hmm. against himself because he's poor. And Mm -hmm. that is, like, such an intriguing, like, piece of critique, which can't be present in this movie. And I also think narratively it demands that we not be critical of the policing because I think one of the things this movie fundamentally is is a dad movie. Um, Mm. And in order to, like, fulfill the dad needs of the movie... Miles and Jefferson need to repair their relationship by the end because one of the central conflicts is that Miles doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know if he's got like a father figure to look up to. And throughout the movie, we're kind of presented with all these different father figure options. There's Aaron, who he feels inherently connected to but Aaron is like bad news. And then his dad Jefferson who he doesn't feel as connected to but his dad like believes in him a lot and pushes him to be better. And then there's Peter B. Parker. I I saw somewhere on Tumblr a rip to that sentence. Miles Morales didn't need a father figure but Peter B. Parker needed a son figure.
1: They have a symbiotic relationship. They both serve the thing that they need for each other. And I think that, like, somehow Peter B. Parker comes away from that relationship with more. Yeah.
0: yeah. So there's this, like, delightful dadness of this movie. I think, like, one of the key, key factors of this movie is the dadness. But it doesn't leave a lot of room to question... The policing in this movie. I mean, I think there's even this really interesting moment that we never get the chance to unpack where Miles is in the alleyway with his uncle's body Mm. and his dad comes up behind him (laughs) and points his weapon at him.
1: Well, he reaches for his gun and Miles is like hunched over crying over his uncle. And like that framing, that imagery is so terrifying to me because that's the story we've seen so many times in the news. And Uh, And also, like, when Aaron, as Prowler, steps away from Miles with his hands up and then gets shot in the back, like, there are moments that I, like, want to acknowledge that, like, I am mad at myself that I didn't see it before, but I can only imagine, like, what it must have been like to watch it in 2018 and, like, make those connections way earlier. I also want to bring up this weird thing I just figured out now is, like, Miles's unwillingness to go to a school that he even calls elitist himself, and he wants to like go to a school among the people, quote unquote. And his father is like pushing him and is like, there's opportunity here that like you that like I did not have and your Uncle Aaron did not have, and therefore, like that is why we made the choices that we made. But then as he realizes like Uncle Aaron is like bad news, there's like an embracing of the school, an embracing of This, like, elitist decision. And I feel like that's also not really ever unpacked. Yeah. And this, like, pushing away from Uncle Aaron, and also, like, the way Uncle Aaron is framed, like, a Biggie song comes on when Uncle Aaron is first introduced. He's got this, like, cool pad. Like, his life is cool looking,
0: but also kind of, like, dark. Like, even the color palette of his life is, like, dark.
1: Exactly. So it's like, what does it say to frame Uncle Aaron that way? And give him a life that Miles, like, kind of wanted, but then he ends up being a villain. I just think that, like, there's a lot in there, um, and then to to center it around Miles and then the, the path he decides to take, I just think it's, like, a lot. Yeah.
0: There's even, like, a, kind of an intriguing commentary, like, a conversation that totally has flown over my head. I've watched this movie, like, eight times. Like, mm-hmm. I love this movie. And there's a conversation where his dad is like, oh, there's a new coffee shop. Everyone's lining up because it's fucking Brooklyn. The gentrification. And they're talking about gentrification. Um, And I think there's a lot in, in which this movie, like, Miles is allowed to be, like, an Afro-Latino kid. Like, that is an important part of his life. And that's, it's beautiful. Like, it is beautiful. there's this beautiful sense of, like warmth to his story. But I also think this movie in many ways is not interested in really exploring race in a way that is like critical um, or has anything to do with like some of the systemic issues that come up with being a young black boy um, and, and not even really willing to acknowledge, like they kind of skirt around the like idea that miles is under a ton of pressure to be a perfect
1: teen. But the reasoning behind why he might feel that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and not, not just that, but, the movie inserts itself into a racialized narrative by having the dichotomy between Uncle Aaron and Jefferson. So if it doesn't want to seriously touch this, or if the moral of this story is Miles should be more of a model minority and fit more into, like, this gentrified version of what society wants his life to be, why did they include this, like, cop, no cop? Like, I don't know maybe I'm just like hypersensitive to cops in media now no
1: no no like I I think context shifts everything seeing the no expectations thing he makes on the on the wall and seeing like the the idea of like a like a boy in the center like feeling like as if the world doesn't expect anything of him so how will he expect anything of himself the moments of deciding like what what he wants to be and like how he's gonna like fit this mold or not is is really interesting to see in 2020 it's just different and like the idea of like jefferson deciding to be a cop i really don't love that he's a cop because it makes everything so complicated but they didn't like i don't know if they did that on purpose or if that was just like an implicit thing of like cop equals good so we're gonna make jefferson the cop and then his brother the criminal
0: or also, like, I think there might be a sense of they want Jefferson to have kind of an ambiguously blue-collar job. So right. the idea there's of also that. Um, Miles being at this charter school feels alien to him. And also that there's a sort of romanticization to Uncle Aaron being, like, kind of wealthy and mysterious and, like, chic in the vein of spider-man being the perfect story to like start conversations about class spider-man as a story is about class the whole thing just fits so well into this narrative almost none of the iterations i've consumed have really ever wanted to touch it despite the fact that it's like so ingrained into the narrative it, feel, it feels so class traitor to have Jefferson be a cop.
1: It does, it does, it does. And, like, there's moments where he's like, we have our lives on the line and we, like, show our faces. And then you're in, in 2020, like, not when you can turn your body cams off, like, sir, please. Like, it's, it's such, it's so weird. And then, and then, like, the context of this year, there's one line after Aaron dies and all of the spider people tell Miles, you can't save everyone. In this line of work, you can't save everyone. And I was like, oh. Like, I don't, like, to, to tell that to, like, a young black boy after his uncle has been shot. Like, just to just to take that with the context of 2020 was, like, very oof. It was just oof. I guess it's kind of weird. It's a weird
0: j- comparison to make because the, in the context of that conversation is they're, like, we all lost people right. to violence. Right. But- the context of being a young Black boy losing your older male Black role model to mm-hmm. to gun violence is so hyper-specific. And ironically, it was hyper-specific back then, too. Like, it's easy to be, like, 2018, decades ago. No. But, like, <laughs> 2018, it was so recent. Right. Um... I mean, throughout the movie, I I was sitting down and watching it and I was like, it's going to be hard to review this movie because I have never so unabashedly loved something. But the whole time I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch this movie and figure out what I'm getting out of it in terms of a broader critique. What is like the zoomed out version of this movie? And what, as I started zooming out, the further I zoomed out, the harder it was to figure out what it was trying to say. Like, something that I'm always intrigued by in children's movies, and we talked a lot about this when we talked about Harry Potter, mm-hmm. is this confluence of the individual and the systemic issues. Right. Um, and this is the idea that um, in a piece of children's media, you get in with your, like, gang of homies, and you defeat one big bad, and by defeating the big bad, you defeat all evil in the world. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, has a case of if we defeat the big bad guy, then we will defeat all evil because of this whole kingpin thing, which is so rooted in like an individual bad um, being the reason universes are colliding. It, it's not necessarily bad because it makes it definitely makes conflict more digestible when it's like thing against thing, right? But I think when we get fed these narratives of good versus one evil person. Throughout our entire lives, we end up forming a narrative about how to root the evil out of our lives. That is, if we defeat this one bad thing, then all bad things will be over. I feel like I've noticed it a lot as our election cycle has been coming up again, Mm -hmm. which is this idea, if we get Trump out of office, then everything will go back to normal.
1: And I don't Um, want anything to go to normal. There's no normal to go back to.
0: Exactly. This this movie made me think about this. It's so easy to like look and 2020 I think has really been the year of being like actually
1: it was <laughs> actually? never just one
0: bad cop. But as I was zooming further and further out with this movie, the harder it was for me to figure out what the messaging was surrounding the world at large and I guess I I feel kind of conflicted about it because I'm not sure does every single movie need to have a bigger picture? to it like is it not enough that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse says beautiful things about representation and that is beautiful and is also just a beautiful thing and a very well crafted narrative and makes me laugh and um gets me hype to make yeah. things
1: it's just also like the the symptom of a superhero movie is you need a super villain and one super villain per movie this one has a bunch but they all are like a team to defeat i think that's kind of part of why i
0: like the x-men universe so much is because x-men universe is super versus the evil that is the world that hates them Right. Um, and I think that's exciting. Um, but I, I and I don't wanna put so much on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because this isn't something I just started noticing in this movie. It's something that I notice in kids' media basically universally. What got me down the rabbit hole of what is this movie trying to say about the world was that very tiny seed
1: of Jefferson versus Aaron. It's so gray area, it's so confusing, it's hard to mine something from it other than they probably just wanted to to reflect good versus bad. And unfortunately when you include race in that and you include class in that and you include the fact that like this is the first black Spider Man and he's looking to all of these different role models and ultimately ends up choosing the one in a in a cop's uniform, it feels Wrong, and I think also with your with your willingness or like need to have Spider-Man like be this thing is because like Spider-Man is the little guy. He has always been like the little guy, and he is such a such a more like focused superhero. Like he's not an Iron Man or a Captain America that's like always saving the world. He's saving his one little part of New York. He's saving his little his home.
0: He's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Daredevil
1: has Hell's Kitchen, Spider-Man has like all around Manhattan. Like uh like Luke Cage has Harlem. Like these guys like take these little bits and like this is I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So like it feels insidious in a weird way to then have him side with the cops who like in New York City now and and before this like have not been your friendly neighborhood law enforcement right so it doesn't make any sense um and i think another thing like with all of that is is to see miles dad at least for me something i like picked up on was like this conversation around how a lot of like police and law enforcement are i'm gonna say statistically abusive to their wives and children like that's Mm -hmm. such as like i've been reading a lot about that and it's like it's just awful like it's It's terrible, but then, like, I don't know, to see, like, a positive depiction of a father in a cop, like, also felt, like, gross to me now.
0: Yeah, I also think something we were talking about when we were planning this episode that I just Mm -hmm. think is delightful, a a delightful idea is um, now that the conversation surrounding policing has shifted from is police brutality real to what do we do about police brutality, you know, after, Mm -hmm. like, 20 years. Um, after, like, 200 years. It's it's interesting to see Spider-Man as, like, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, because that's such, like, an anarcho-socialist idea of, right. like, what law enforcement would look like. Not to, like, throw down the term anarcho-socialist, um, <laughs> but, um, but, like, thinking about what a vision of community policing could look like. Spider-Man seems like such the poster child for, we don't need cops.
1: Yeah, Spider-Man I mean, and maybe that is also a reason why the cops don't like him, because he does their job better than they do.
0: Yeah, and that that's like canonical in universe, but unfortunately right. you can't put that in a movie right now because or even in twenty eighteen, you couldn't really put that in a movie because we were starting to pull Black Lives Matter out of hot take status.
1: I think also like superheroes have in the con like in universe, in comics, like do tend to comment on on the current situation like uh captain america assumed the role of nomad in 1974 after nixon resigned from office so like that like there, he like divorced himself from the american name because there was so much like turmoil going ar- on like x-men have a history of like allegorical representation there are so many instances that it feels weird that spider-man sees a black and white world of like cops and robbers in this iteration
0: i think it's that um now you can no longer lean into the the inherent um anti-capitalist anti-cop takes that are built into the spider-man universe because if you were lean to lean into them at all we are now old enough as a society that people would notice them and start having anti-capitalist anti-cop takes and this movie was made by sony
1: yeah and the framing of miles rejecting cops as like a helpful thing to place like a black man in front of that like statement would be
0: it would would be be regarded as
1: intense but (laughs) for us it would be like thank god can we finally like have this
0: the other thing i kind of wanted to mention um is that i i kind of feel bad throwing all this heaviness at this movie because (laughs) i i watched a tiktok earlier and it was um a pair of young black men talking about how they're tired of stories about black people being about like the experience of being black right right but, but like I said, I think it's built into the narrative enough that I feel comfortable talking about it a little more. But also if anyone feels like we're out of line by putting this on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I think yeah, please, definitely please like shoot us. us an email.
1: I think it's all in context. I think it's all of just like watching this movie now versus watching it when it first came out. We were so I was just like so in awe of like this film. Here's the thing is you can't really divorce race from race reality even in a fake universe that's not even ours because they tell you it's the ultimate universe so many times in the movie you
0: can tell me it's not my universe but it was written by someone in my universe and it is consumed by people in my universe universe.
1: yeah it's time for bitch time
0: i shall get the timer
1: Bitch time is our uncritical feelings. We're just gonna bitch. Just let us bitch. Ready, set, go. Okay, the voice casting is fantastic. Like, truly, like, it, everyone's voice is so clear and specific. And I feel like I'm, I, like, whoever did the casting, like, please, you're amazing. Um, Jake Johnson feels so meta to me because of his character on New Girl. I want someone to do, like, a Nick Miller as Spider-Man quotes.
0: Um, the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse cast, not cast album. The Spider-Man Spy- Into the Spider-Verse album is the ultimate hype album. It goes so fucking hard 24-7.
1: Yes. If why I had to pick you one I... album
0: to listen to forever.
1: Yes, Gaia, why do you and I like movies with untied shoes so much? I um, I
0: think it's just who we are. Yes,
1: I know. Um when he's on the subway and you hear stand clear of the closing doors please, I had like war flashbacks.
0: Oh, in terms of subway <laughs> war flashbacks, the Q is the wrong color in this movie and I know it's because yes. it's in a different universe, but I just wanted but to mention like,
1: it. It's fine. Oh my god, I love the like I'm sick of hearing the personal responsibility like uh, personal responsibility with great uh power comes great responsibility and they're like I'm sick of hearing it. Um when when uh Nick Miller, Spider-Man goes, oh, I must re-examine my personal biases about uh, Lady Doc Ock. It was just so (gasps) funny. Can I tell you my favorite
0: um, animation moment in the movie? Yes, yeah. It's when they throw a bagel at someone and there's a little onomatopoeia that says bagel.
1: (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, um, the part, they really like wrangled Nicholas out of his cage to be the voice of Spider-Man noir. Um, The part where he goes, sometimes I let a match burn to my fingertips just to feel something. Just to feel (laughs) something, anything. (laughs) um yeah, I feel like just classic. enough just enough John Mulaney just enough it's just enough just it's enough. like perfect enough for me
0: can I ask you a question ask me a question do you do you know why the do you do you understand the joke of the like I just washed my hands that's why they're wet does anyone know what that joke no means? I don't know
1: what do you I We're, don't and I okay. googled it and nobody knows and okay. if you know please email us I think like spider pig has like weird powers I think it's like one of his powers um is that um, he can make his hand wet yeah, no, but that he like has excessive. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, like in
0: Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blood, where his power is his moistness. Sorry, continue.
1: Ew. Um, I just want like more. <laughs> I want like more specific and in depth hip hop soundtracks to go along with superhero movies. Um, uh, like Spider Man did it. Black, Black Panther, Panther did, it. did it.
0: Let's keep going.
1: Uh, Doc Ock, Lady Doc Ock is hot. <laughs>
0: Lady Doc Ock pegs.
1: She does peg. She's allowed. Aunt to peg. May also pegs. Um, yes. Lady
0: Doc Ock and Aunt May are verse, and they peg each other.
1: Yes. Um. What else do I have? I feel like that's like it. This movie is so good. Um. Um. This movie just like I love the self awareness. Um. Oh my God. Just like Peter B. Parker, like learning to be a dad, where he's like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Wait. Do I want dad. kids? Do I want kids? Um. I'm in love with Spider Gwen. Oh, I'm also. I want her haircut. I want to shave the side of my head so bad every her time I see her. to fall in love her. with me. Yep. Oh, this is weird. But, like, Zoe Kravitz plays Mary Jane. And I was like, oh, we missed out on, like, Black Mary Jane. Why did they not just do it? Well, I think now this kind of is the perfect transition into Bitch Why. Now it's time for Bitch Why, where we examine impact uh, and who saw it, why they saw it, and how it affected us. I think like having a Black Mary Jane would have been quote unquote too much because you have this movie. It doesn't feel performatively woke to me. Um, I think it plays on the reality of comic books like there's so many incarnations of of Spider-Man already. It felt like they were try like they were testing the waters as much as they could by being like, "Hey, like this this Spider-Man is not the one you're used to please don't get mad at it and just so you don't get mad at it here's a bunch of other spider people which I don't have an issue with but I do think it's interesting that that's what happened spider-man is like the face of marvel so to take that character and place it in the hands of a kid who like reflects the diversity of the world now I think is important and so I think that in order to get it away from like the critiques of bigots having a problem with, like, a black Latino Spider-Man by surrounding him with other spider people, I think there's, like, merit to that, and I understand why that happened.
0: There's a sense that, like, because the movie leans so much into being, like, this is a comic, like, yeah. we are in a comic, um, if they, like, diverged too heavily from the comics, people would have been like, why, we're in a comic, though.
1: We're in a comic, We're in the though. comics. Yeah. But
0: that's stupid, and I think Mary Jane should have been black anyway.
1: Yeah, I was like, Zoe Kravitz is Speaking
0: beautiful. of MJ being black, <gasps> do we get to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming and the absolutely steamy tea we discovered oh, about okay. it? So basically, I read this incredibly in-depth Tumblr post um, Sorry, that will link in the episode notes. That's all about how Spider-Man Homecoming appropriated a lot of the story of Miles Morales, like his backstory, the whole charter story school thing. Also specifically, Gonka Lee, which is Miles Morales' roommate best friend. Um, He has in Spider-Man Homecoming, that's Ned, but he has the same personality and like physical characteristics of Gonka. Please call out my pronunciation if it's wrong. They go into really in-depth about like how Homecoming appropriated a lot about Miles Morales without having a Black lead because Disney is too cowardly to have a Black lead in movies that aren't about Black people.
1: This idea that Miles has to prove himself, I mentioned that he does this with Captain America who ultimately ends up training him. And I think that like I don't know if there are like racial implications of that, like the all the work he has to go through, which happens in this movie, also happens in Homecoming as well, with like Tom Holland Spider-Man having to like prove himself to Tony when normally Peter Parker Spider-Man doesn't have to do that. And Miles actually does have to do that in the comics and Miles does have to do it again in this story i in this in this movie i just think that that is an interesting thing that they kind of like they've co-opted a lot of moments and things from miles without giving credit where it's due i just think it's fucked up that like the only
0: time disney has allowed a uh, black character to take the helm of a superhero movie is in black panther and then the whole story was about the characters being black which is totally great because it's a celebration of blackness and that's like they've got really great nuanced discussions of it but as the young tiktok men were saying today why aren't there other black people
1: (laughs) Well right it, and it, it, the name Black Panther like the creation of Black Panther as a comic book superhero just even like the placement of that character in Marvel was reactionary in that way and Miles was more of like oh hey we keep saying anyone can be behind the mask let's actually like do it the thing with this is anytime we see representation from these these movies and these things Like, when Zendaya gets to be MJ, and, like, we're like, oh my god, she's so cool and different and, like, interesting. Or Miles, like, we give them praise, like, wholeheartedly, and then we also, like, I feel like these movies are starting to shift into, like, a really meta place with, like, this self-awareness. Like, I think it happened with Deadpool. It's in Frozen. It's in Moana when they talk about, like, what makes a princess. And, like, uh, you can't marry a man you just met. Like, we're going into this, into this place where I feel like these movies are speaking... Like, the corporations behind these movies are trying to, like, speak to us and craft, like, a pseudo-interpersonal relationship with us.
0: It's the Denny's Tubbler of media.
1: Anything that is a franchise... It's so hard for me to, like, praise diversity because it's, like, you know that they put that on purpose for us to praise it and it feels weird and they're, like, speaking to us, like, hey, we know you wanted us to say this, so here we are saying it. I think we'll keep shifting towards this, like, meta storytelling. It also happens in Captain Marvel, like, with, with all of that, like, this kind of, like, subverting of who you think MJ is gonna be. And subverting of, like, the kind of characters that you see on screen, I wonder what the intentions are of that. I think it
0: gets into my great issue with Marvel, which, like, spoilers for when we start talking about Marvel, which is that because they've tied themselves to comic books that there are so many, like, super fans of that, like, are resistant to change, Right. any movement they make towards like actually being representative in a way that's interesting or realistic is going to result in some sort of uproar and any movement they make in continuing to withhold that representation is also going to result in uproar so any moment right. movement they make towards representation is this great radical step right. and not to be like a pretentious asshole but like just make new movies if you're too much of a fucking coward to make <laughs> captain america black then just make movies about things that aren't captain america like if you can't handle the idea of race bending any of your characters or gender bending any of your characters if you if you think them being white and heterosexual and cis is so fundamentally part of who they are as a character and you only ever want to make movies about white heterosexual cis people as you have for the past like 150 years just make other movies
1: yeah miles in the comics from like having read some of his comics in like 2011 when he came out there was backlash because of course there was backlash to there being like an afro-latino um spider-man because we live in the world that we live in we live in this universe and unfortunately it's very racist Uh, (laughs)
0: the worst universe we live in the
1: worst timeline um but miles In the comics, like, personality-wise, I can't really tell you what is different from his core personality that is, like, in comparison to Peter. I feel like in the movie, they do a really good job of making Miles his own person. And I think because you have him, like, set up next to Peter Parker, you can see all the ways in which they're different. And I just like that he gets to be his own person in a way that, like, I don't think that he has gotten to be in the comics yet. I just, like, wonder what It means that Miles' story is like quote-unquote relegated to an animated space. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? How come his own solo movie is still centered? It's centered around him but like it is given space to other spider people. I mean but it did win an Oscar and it is the only Spider-Man movie to do that. Tom Holland though is considered the current Spider-Man in the MCU. Does me saying that miles of story being relegated further the stigma we have about animated movies being less than live action ones and should it matter that the first black spider-man in film is an animated one and maybe contextually it does because all the live action ones have been white so far and and i don't i don't know and th- those things were never questioned um but i do think like regarding net good spider-verse has elevated the way we see animation it has taken like It has taken the, the, like, helm of what animation can be away from Disney, I think, like, even the most minuscule way, but it's done that, and I think, like, I don't think, like, I can quantify net good or net bad, but they're all just thoughts I had about it.
0: I think Miles being relegated to cartoon is a signifier of how people look down on cartoon Mm -hmm. and then the amount of effort and artistic brilliance the creators put into the movie Mm -hmm. reflects how much respect they have for miles and has reflects how much respect that animation can hold Mm -hmm. and so animation is a fabulous medium we should use it for more things Mm -hmm. like truly like imagine how cool movies would be if they were all animated. Not like, <laughs> I love a live action movie. I love a live action movie. You're right that this movie has truly changed the way people understand animation mm-hmm. in the mainstream universe and has heralded a, hopefully, I don't know if we've started seeing this yet, but I'm hoping it will continue to herald in an age of incredible animated films um, being given top, top, Uh, critical consensus not that critical consensus matters at all unless it's from us because we're (laughs) the only critics who matter
1: (laughs) because we're not white straight cis men something my friend brought up to me was that like peter parker in the in this movie like You get to see him at an incredibly, like, low point, and that's not something you see into the comics a lot. I mean, you do, like, Gwen Stacy dies, and, like, people die, but, like, this is, like, you see him struggle in this in a way that's, like, very different from the comics. So, so, in a way, it's kind of, like, it's passing the torch, but it's also, like, demystifying of the white heroes a little, and maybe that's reading into it too much, but I think it's interesting.
0: That's sexy. Right? I also think that there's something kind of sexy about like letting middle aged people be middle
1: aged. But, but there is well, a little bit of fat shaming with him. Like they fat shaming. Oh, there's shame a, him lot a lot of fat shaming. And that made me sad because I was like, y'all, he is. An older man and the like,
0: thing is is like he's still so strong he still does spider-man things like like can't wouldn't it be sexy if they were like oh fat shame wait actually your body still does everything great that your body can do so like why does it matter well i
1: noticed that that he was able to just get right back up and start swinging so i was like why is this a problem
0: honestly like it's so embarrassing to have a physical form and we shouldn't like say anything about it i think this movie is very sexy yeah i think it does so many stellar things i think there is room for it to be re-examined in a more modern context i think it can do better but i also think it will do better because oscar isaac is going to be in the next one oscar isaac there is there is a man who can who can raw me
1: okay wait we have to decide oh i don't wait these are children never mind yeah, I was that. gonna. I was gonna mention it during this is time. Is Peter and I was like, B. Hmm. Parker allowed to be naked? I think so. Absolutely. Yes. Um. Doc Aunt is Ma- Lady Doc. Doc Oc- Oc- we already said that. We already said that.
0: Doc Ock's allowed to be naked. Yeah. Aunt May is allowed to be naked. They're King- encouraged. Kingpin to be naked.
1: is not allowed. Not to be allowed naked. to be naked. I. We had to mind to really like have some hot takes about this movie. Honestly, this
0: movie is a hot movie.
1: It's so hot. I think there's a little, there's some shades of propaganda, but like.
0: 50 shades of propaganda. 50 shades of
1: propaganda.
0: This episode was purely for he- healing post She Who Shall Not Be Named. Yeah, exactly. It's not for you, it's just for us.
1: Okay, now it's time for the bitch meter where we give you our diversity score.
0: We give people a score out of five um, for our six categories of representation, queerness, gender, race, disability, body positivity, and class. Uh, for queer, we gave it an NA, even though Gwen feels gay. I mean, honestly, all of these characters feel a little gay. They're all
1: a little gay, um, but it's not like queer baby or queer Cody or whatever. But I, that they're just gay because I think they are. They're gay because I... It's gay because I say it is. Um, listen to the Thank Folklore you. bonus episode, which is called Folklore is Gay because I say it is. Uh, for gender, we gave it a four because it's fairly even. and It's pretty good. It's good. Um, not as many women as there could no. be. What it doesn't do in gender, it does in race, which is... And also, like, all the
0: women in it are so cool. They are. Lily like have Tomlin
1: as Aunt May is so cool. All of
0: them peg, except for Gwen Stacy doesn't peg because she's, she's a minor. She's a minor. Uh, For race, we gave it a five. I mean, what, what Why, can, we say? What can movie- I say? What can I say? This movie is like um, a delightful little song written towards all the young Afro-Latinx teenagers who want to be Spider-Man.
1: Fuck yeah. For disability, we gave it an N.A. because there's literally nothing about that in there. For body positivity, we gave it a minus one because of all of the fat shaming of Peter B. Parker, which we spoke about before. And then also, I just like, I don't know, Kingpin, I understand it's a comic, so he's like comically large, but like everyone else then is slim.
0: Yeah, I just like that wish like I, like Kingpin's a cool. I like I may, think this is maybe a hot take. Kingpin's character design is cool, but it would have been cooler if there were other fat characters.
1: That's no, I agree. I agree totally. Yeah. My favorite iteration of Kingpin is in Daredevil.
0: For class, uh we give it a 3.5 because of weird Uncle Aaron vibes. We talked about it earlier and also just like the general inherent like nuances of class in the Spider-Man universe uh there's so much going on in this movie i feel like we spent the whole episode talking about it though yeah so we don't need to get so into it. great it's a
1: 3.5 yes and so out of that we have a bitch meter score of 7 out of 10 which is probably a little low but we're 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 tough critics we're tough and the body positivity was important to me to put in so body positivity is important can is people important. start Getting into that. Yo, like let people have like normal bodies. Again,
0: it's so embarrassing to have a physical form and there's no need for no us need. to make it any worse.
1: Exactly. It's time for Harris's hot take. <laughs> All
0: right. Ready, set, go. It's
1: it's, it's, a, it's a jazzy, cool Spider Man movie that uh works and is good and I don't I, I don't have any hot takes except uh John Mullaney is surprisingly that sucky part of that movie mm. um and uh i like i wish i wish the is it gwen spider-man person? Yeah, Spider-Gwen. I wish, Spider-Gwen. I wish, spider-gwen i wish i just want a movie about her i don't want uh i that, mm. like i oh. don't know as a gay man i like female <laughs> is that weird <laughs> i used to play all the T. female video game characters i think it's that that's valid that's uh, gay yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Princess Peach and Smash bro <laughs> <laughs> I love you so Aww. much. Love oh my God. Harris.
0: I'll call you unrelated to professional reasons <laughs> soon.
1: Okay. Bye. 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 What a lovely take, Harris.
0: Thank um, you. We do we want to
1: read? We got our first fan mail. <laughs> we got our first fan mail. We cried. I screamed. I screeched. The subject is literally, literally fan mail um and i'm gonna read it right now hey bitches you are so amazing and i love the show everything is so well thought out and always hella justified my mind is blown every episode when y'all put out a hot interpretation i would have never seen otherwise the show has been keeping me sane during this part of quarantine keep being awesome from nick this is my friend nick from high school and he said p.s my new life goal is to be rated allowed to be naked by bitch y nick you're allowed to be naked (gasps) you heard it here folks He's allowed to be Nick's naked. Nick's That is so we sweet. We said it. And then we also got a message. It's far too long to talk about on the podcast. Uh, but it's... But Kiara wrote us... Did we us... cry reading it? Oh, my God. Kiara wrote us, a, like, a letter about how grateful she was that we spoke about she, sh- she who shall not be named. It's good that someone got something out of that. Yeah, so it's telling me that, like, the <laughs> two weeks of just strife was worth it. And I, I will take it. But... But Kiara said the one part I really want to read is I... Want to express how much I love you both and how much joy this podcast has brought me in the last few weeks. It has put me in a headspace that reminds me of why I like art and why all of our friends love art. You both are incredibly articulate and I value your thoughts and opinions. The work and detail that goes into these episodes make me so warm inside and I'm just extremely grateful to you to know you both. I could spend hours hyping you both up just giving recognition where it's due. I love this podcast. Thank you Kiara and Nick so much. These fully made our day um i just think it is so i feel so so soft and
0: gooey on the inside i
1: feel so like i just feel good that like people like this i mean we would keep doing it if no one listened but i am just happy that people are listening and people are loving having a good time yeah like i love that people love hearing us talk as much as i love hearing you talk
0: i love hearing you talk no homo but like let's get married immediately (laughs)
1: let's get married on your (laughs) farm in maine uh-huh. Oh, my God. Okay. That's where the people,
0: the, my hosts got married on this farm in Maine. And oh,
1: they're gay. I would love a farm wedding.
0: Yeah. Well, it's happening. Okay. Let's get into it. Neetha, I want to know what you're working on.
1: So I'm working with the College Association for Artists of Color. Um, I'm a creative producer for them. And we are working on personal narrative, short little biography, autobiography, documentaries of student artists of color. And I'm Aww. really excited to make it um i'm so excited to like be a part of this network i think it's gonna do a lot of good and just like be able to spotlight some cool people that we know and or don't know and and just like make ourselves as prominent in terms of like the creation of art as the people we see on tv i just think it's interesting and good and that's what i'm working on gaia what are you working on
0: I went to the farmer's market on Saturday, which was yesterday. We're recording pretty early this week. Yes, we are. And I wanted to tell you some stories from the poems I wrote for people at the (sighs) farmer's market. I wrote five poems. I'll tell you about each of them. The first one was from a man in a bee mask and he was like, I would like a poem about honey. So I wrote him a little poem about honey and then he came back and we were talking about our favorite poets and then he folded up it up very nicely and carefully and he was like, I'm going to read this when I get home. Aww. And he like carefully tucked it into his like little bag and I like you could tell he was gonna like he wasn't just talking shit um, and he also bought some honey. The next poem was there's this um Hawaiian guy who uh it's k- significant that he's Hawaiian. Um he he's here every week. He's so nice. He's very friendly and kind to us. And he came up and he was like, "I would like a poem about the Hawaiian rainbows." And um he it took me back to my childhood in Hawaii because my grandmother lived in Hawaii until I was like 8 or 9. Um and I've I have my aunt and uncle are a native Hawaiian like like spent a lot of time in hawaii as a child. um oh. and 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 he and i got to have a beautiful moment talking about like hawaii in the morning and the rainbows and like he was like i'm going to like bring this home to hawaii and like this is a real like aloha moment for us and i was like you and i you you sir are going to make me cry here in this farmers market right now. um and oh then God. um The other story that I wanted to tell you was this man came with his two children. One was like one years old and one was like maybe three. And he was like, I just want a poem for my kids. My kids enjoy playing in the woods and foraging. And I was like, say no more. And so I wrote them a little poem and I brought it to them. And he he got it and he immediately read it out loud to his little one-year-old child on his shoulders. (laughs) And it was like a little rhyming poem. (laughs) And i almost died on the spot so what i've been working on is writing poems for random people in farmer's market and i think it's my life calling it was the most fulfilling thing i've ever done
1: that was so wholesome and so beautiful if
0: anyone wants a poem on, on a random topic i'll write you one so just oh my god message us dm
1: the podcast instagram
0: uh, speaking of the podcast, Instagram.
1: Oh my God, perfect seg- segue. Uh, you can follow the BitchY Podcast on BitchY Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and you can email us and send us a little fan mail that we'll read on the episode. Uh, at b.tchy at gmail.com You can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nita underscore Thazani T-H-A-D-A-N-I Please leave us a review
0: and rate us on iTunes or wherever else you can leave us ratings. All of our resources referenced will be in the show notes. Thank you to our editor and co-producer Cameron! Our king! King! And our graphic designer, Jillian. Alright! Bye, bitches! Farewell, bitches.